0: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Good afternoon, Zinger Nation. My name is Logan Ross, and this is Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. I am live today from Austin, Texas, not usually uh, where I'm coming at you from, but as usual, we got that fire crypto content coming at you. Today, we'll be talking about the Ethereum upgrade. EIP 1559, which is slated for tomorrow morning. I will be talking about the ongoing NFT mania, and and we will have an interview with the Black Women Talk Tech Conference leaders. Uh, So you do not want to miss it. Stick around, uh, smash the like button, drop a comment, let us know what crypto projects you're looking at this week. Uh, And if we get some time at the end, we'll take a look at them and share our thoughts uh, with you. I am joined today by my two wonderful co-hosts, Ryan, Master of Margin, McNamara. How you doing today, Ryan?
2: Doing well. Long time no see, Logan.
0: It's been a minute. Hey, I like your shirt, Wolverine Blockchain. Let's Thanks. get it going.
2: I like oh, your hat.
0: <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, you right back at you, man.
2: Where'd you get uh, it?
0: Uh, swag.benzinga.com. You can get your own. It's got the, the Mooder Bus logo uh, embroidered on the side, designed by yours truly. Um, and, and you can get a 25% off discount code. If you join the telegram, we will send it to you. Uh, and that can all be found in the description below. Also later down there, we started a separate crypto channel. So if you want just crypto clips, hit that up. It's the first link in the description. It's fire. I promise. Uh, and I also have Brian Moore. How are you doing today, Brian?
1: Good. We're all matching the same hats and we're all <laughs> alive for the first time in almost a week.
0: It's been a minute. We were all on vacation. We were out of the office. Uh, And so we couldn't have shows, but we missed you guys. We hope you missed us too. And we're just happy to be back. Um, So let's get the show started. Let's get it going. Ryan, tell us about EIP-1559.
2: EIP, Ethereum Improvement Proposal 1559. It's set to go live tomorrow. And it's one of the biggest changes to Ethereum's network in the history of Ethereum. Now, of course, ETH2 is going to be bigger than this, but this nonetheless is a huge upgrade. Uh, It's going live tomorrow and there's talks of Ethereum becoming a deflationary currency. Uh, So first off, it's not going to become a deflationary currency just yet. I mean, it's possible, but it's not set in stone. Mm. Um, So the way this works right now, Ethereum fees are basically supply and demand. The market decides how much you pay. Which kind of sucks because, you know, if something's going on on Ethereum's network, it can get super congested and you might be stuck paying $30, $40 to send a transaction or to do a swap on Uniswap. So it can get really expensive. So what they're doing to improve this is they'll have a base fee for every transaction, which will be a certain amount. And then if the network is congested up to a certain degree, then the base fee goes up even higher. Uh, and this base fee will be burnt. So this is going to be deflationary in a sense because they will be burning Ethereum. But it doesn't have to be a deflationary currency because there isn't a set supply of Ethereum in existence. Right now, The I think the inflation rate on Ethereum is about 4%. Once ETH2 comes out, though, it's going down to 0.4%. So I'd expect once ETH2 comes out, launches hopefully later this year, early next year, then we'll actually see Ethereum become deflationary pretty much for sure, because you only have to offset that 0.4% inflation instead of 4% inflation. I mean, right now, maybe we'll see like a 1% or 2% drop, and maybe it'll just be 1% or 2% inflation, which is... I mean, that's still a really big difference in the grand scheme of things, especially sure. especially because this is perpetual. Uh, are you guys excited about this? you guys have any other thoughts on EIP-1559? I know we've been waiting so long for it. It's finally <laughs> coming.
1: I don't really have any thoughts besides I am pretty excited about it just to make some movement and kind of uh, progressive, uh, more progressive sta- uh, steps towards ETH2. And also, I think it's no matter what we do, every time there's something new that happens with Ethereum, it's always uh, for the better. It might not be the best thing, but it just means there's progress. And I I always like that.
0: Uh, Yeah, so I want to bring up AO Finance's comment. Uh, The miners are not going for it. Um, I think the miners have agreed at this point. They're okay with it. They've accepted it. Uh, miners are also big bag holders and they want to see their bags get puffed up and they know EIP 1559 will lead to that eventually down the road. Uh, so so yeah, they might, it might be harder to convince them to switch to proof of stake. Um, But I think EIP 1559 should have no issues, um, you know, going forward and and succeeding as an upgrade. So I'm pretty hopeful for it. Um, There's there's that misconception you brought up, Ryan, that it's going to become deflationary immediately, which is just not the case. Uh, It's based on the demand and the load on the network. um, But it will be burning ETH immediately, which is very bullish in my opinion. So I'm happy for it.
2: I'm excited. We've been waiting forever. Mm -hmm. And even though part of this base fee or actually all of this base fees burn, the miners are still making money because it's the base fee and then plus a tip on top. And that tip goes to the miners to process your transactions faster. Mm -hmm. So if you're not tipping them, it'll probably take hours for your transaction to go through. And if you tip them a lot, it'll happen a lot faster. All right. Next up, we got
0: NFT mania. Ryan, you want to fill us in on what's going on in the NFT space these days?
2: Yeah, man, NFTs are just going crazy right now. Crypto punks are getting swiped up by VC firms. Crypto punks are getting swiped up by celebrities. We saw Gary V buy a ape crypto punk for over three million dollars. I don't know if you guys saw the exact number. It might have been five million. I know an ape sold for five, another one sold in the threes. Gary V got one of them. Um, anyways, like zombies are going for millions of dollars these days, and the floor. The floor on CryptoPunks just a week ago was about $30,000, and now you're going to struggle to find one under $90,000. It's just going wow. insane. Um, also, Board ape Yacht clubs. I mean, this is going insane, too. The mint price on that was 0.08 ETH, and there's 10,000 of them in existence. So 10,000 people got uh, – well, not 10,000 people, but 10,000 were minted at 0.08 ETH. And now the price floor is over 10 ETH, which is just uh, – absolutely crazy. That's $27,000. I mean, at this point, I think Bored Apes are probably here to stay as an NFT. I think they could survive a bear market with all the hype and all the people that are using them as profile pictures and avatars. Um, So I I mean, it's good to see. I mean, do you guys think that these NFTs will survive a bear market? And not only that, but do you guys think that they'll do better or worse than cryptocurrency in a bear market? Because what I've seen is people get emotionally attached to these things and don't Mm -hmm. want to sell them. And it's it's usually the people who have a ton of money buying a thirty thousand dollar JPEG, right? They they don't really need the liquidity in most cases.
1: Well, we saw that huge uh, whenever it first like the NFT boom first happened, where uh, Beeple sold uh, one of his for like sixty over sixty million dollars, and now that's getting beaten um, quite a few times, not on the same stage, but you know on OpenSea or wherever you uh, NFT marketplaces. But that's kind of crazy to think about where we, I mean, I remember saying that this whole art thing is going to kind of die out. NFTs are here to stay. They're going to change the game. They're going to change the world. But this huge art price, you know, influx is probably going to die out soon. Well, I guess we're wrong. Or I was wrong Um, because we're seeing it come back and it's, I feel like it's even bigger because there's even more of a stage. There's even more people doing it in these uh, boutique, um, Artists are creating, you know, these really trendy collectibles like and then you have the NFT uh, gaming aspect where each one of those things are even more collectible and they're going for thousands of dollars, even if you buy if you get it by luck or you buy it cheap. I mean, there's plenty of places to make money. I mean, it. I I was wrong. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going up. Um, We might see a little fluctuation if it hits a bear market. But they're like two different types of investing there. And like you said, people want it to have it, not to sell it. It's like buying a Rolex because it's only going to go up in value. You're not really buying it to like keep reselling or selling. You buy it because you know what it is and you know what it's worth. And you know that your value is going to increase the longer you have it. And it's not really be flashy because people know what it is. They know what it is. And that's who you're targeting to show. So I think it's just going to keep going and going. And I kind of like where it's at.
2: Can you guys see my screen? No, you no. have to add it to the. There you screen. go. Oh, matrix. Can you see it now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought i Jeez, I I need a computer science degree to do that. I'm not sure if I can. What is it? Control plus. Hey okay. Siri. There we go. Yeah, I just wanted to go over some of the different attributes and traits for punks before we get into our interview, just to educate the audience a little bit on what these things are, why certain ones are going for so much money and other ones, you know, are still ridiculously expensive, but going for less money than some of the other ones. Uh, So there are different types of punks out there. The rarest are aliens. None have sold in a long time. The cheapest is 35K (laughs) ETH, not USD. So, yeah, that's like, that would be the record for the highest NFT sale if that actually sells. But I mean, someone's just asking, you know, you can ask whatever you want. Before this, it was like 300,000 ETH. So this is the first like reasonable alien CryptoPunk sale in a while. Uh, there have been a couple aliens that have sold for $9 million in the past. So, and since then the, the markets have gone up a ton. So, I mean, that's, this is still high, but you know, maybe Mm -hmm. 10,000, 20,000 ETH could get it done and we could see a giant sale. Um, so yeah, nine aliens, 24 apes, uh, Gary V just bought an ape for three or 5 million, something insane. Mm -hmm. The zombies 88 of, and then male and female, which are kind of the normal punks, but those do have different attributes. Uh, which you can see here, and the attributes have different rarities. So you see the beanies, those are the most rare attribute there is. Mm. Uh, There's chokers, pilot helmets, there's a ton of different traits, and they can have several traits on one CryptoPunk. And as you can see, I mean, some of these traits, these are the price floor here for each type of punk with a certain trait. Um, And as you can see, some traits are more coveted than others. Uh, One in particular I actually want to bring up was the hoodies, the hoodie punks. These things are going crazy. the The floor price, even though there's 259, it's not super rare. I mean, it's it's pretty rare, but it's mm-hmm. nothing crazy. There's a lot of I've it. seen.
0: The, I've seen the hoodies going crazy right now. want to look at some comment, uh, some chat questions. Okay, really yeah. Quickly. Let's, let's run Clear it. Clear up the some interview. confusion. Um, <laughs> so Hector wants to know what are these? They they are NFTs. They're digital art. Um, but the reason that people buy them and pay stupid amounts of money for them is because they're avatars so they're they're the avatar that a person will use in the metaverse whether that's on twitter or or eventually in like a future blockchain based vr game uh you can put these nfts on on either of them right um and so that kind of transitions into iron lion's question which says can you explain how you can profit off nfts um so basically an nft is is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it right um so when they release, origi- originally release, you can mint them for anywhere between zero and, and, and one ETH, depending on the series and how much the, the creators want to charge. So you could create your own series and, and profit off of that by charging people to mint them, uh, but you'll have to create demand for it. If there's no demand, no one's going to be willing to pay uh, these exorbitant prices that they are willing to pay for CryptoPunks, for example. Um, yeah, so I think that pretty much sums it up for the CryptoPunks. I say we get to the interview. Now we skip the market update, push that back to uh, to the Moon or Bust, um, pre-Moon or Bust segment. Um, so yeah, uh, I would like to to inter- uh, bring onto the stream Regina uh, um, from the Black Women Talk Tech Conference. Regina, how are you doing today? Welcome to Moon or Bust.
3: Who's All going? right. Here we going go? going, hey, there everyone. we go. How's everyone doing?
0: Good. Doing Good. great. Well, Thank you. Here. Uh, So Regina, could you tell us a little bit about your background in tech and entrepreneurship?
3: Sure. So my background originally was in fashion retail. Um, and always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur. So I knew I was going to do something, didn't know what it was, um, but ended up uh, focused on beauty. Um, I've had hair my entire life, if you can believe it, and <laughs> wanted to look at ways to improve the hairstyling experience for women of color, uh, which prompted me to create Trust Noir, which is the first on-demand, on-location beauty booking app uh, for women of color. So think Uber for hair Salons. The salon comes to you when you push a button uh, through our app. And we launched Tres Noir in 2013 uh, in the Philadelphia area. We expanded to um, New York, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles and Dallas, Texas. And it was that experience that helped me, you know, that introduced me to tech, right? Like I w- was a non-technical founder. I had no idea what a tech stack was, what any of these coding languages were, um, wasn't familiar with venture capital. I definitely had not been introduced to, to blockchain and Bitcoin or any of those things, um, but knew that I had a billion dollar business. And, and that was really the impetus behind creating Black Women Talk Tech um, after meeting my co-founders and hearing our stories were just so very similar, even though we were working on like completely different things.
0: That's awesome. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you met and how you decided to start the conference?
3: Sure. So my co-founder, Asosa Igadaro and I met at um, another conference. You know, we were, uh, it was one of these invite only, you have to apply to get in. And of course, we were the only chocolate drops in the room. Um, and so I looked across the room and was like, wow, look, <laughs> another black woman. Let me run up to her, say hello. Um, and so that's literally how we met. Like we didn't know each other before then. Um, but again, we just got to talking and started uh, hearing like, oh, wow, you're having problems finding a technical talent and CTO and oh, wow, you're having tra- problems with you know raising money and, and talking to investors, me too. Um, and, and so that was really like, wow, maybe the other people are, are having similar problems. Let's see if we can all get together. Um, And that uh, started prompted us to to have our first conference at Google uh, in 2017, and we hoped that we'd get 50 people to come, and we had over 300 RSVPs, Um, and so we were like packed in there, (laughs) like (laughs) Sardines. Google was upset because there were some fire (laughs) code issues, but you know (laughs) we let that slide. Uh, and and then fast forward to, to this year, you know, we're hosting our fifth annual conference. It will be virtual. Um, and, you know, there's so much more to come.
0: That's awesome. Uh, so you mentioned some issues that kind of brought you together. You bonded over and you realized you could help other people with these same issues. Um, so let's talk about some of the challenges that Black Women in Tech are facing today uh, and what we could do about it.
3: Absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges uh, being a woman uh, as well as being a woman of color. Oftentimes the, there's a, an air of, of being dismissed. Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, she's not the, the, the business person the entrepreneur, like who, who's the real owner of, of this enterprise? Um, and then on top of that, you you look at the idea of being a woman of color where um, just the, the access and the networks are, are very, very different. Um, so when we talk about, you know, creating opportunities and creating space, it's it's having these kinds of conversations. Um, it's about blending ideas and opportunities together and understanding that everybody wins when you invest in when when you, when you invest in smart people. Right? Um, we have seen that Black women entrepreneurs have higher valued companies in the long run because they're more profitable in the early stages of their startup. Uh, We're also seeing a three and four X higher return on investment. So, again, savvy investors, it would behoove you uh, to to get in on the ground level of a black woman entrepreneur because she is not going to quit. (laughs) She is the most resourceful woman on the planet and she's creating businesses at a faster clip than any other demographic in the U.S. So we want to make sure that we tell that story and we amplify, we amplify the stories of women who are already doing it. In spite of challenges to getting access to capital and technical talent and and mentors and and social capital, but there are Black women unicorns that do exist. Uh, Dr. Toyin Ajayi is the founder of CityBlock Health. She is a a healthcare tech startup that is valued at a billion dollars. There is uh, Tope um, down in in Atlanta. He is the founder of Calendly. Calendly is a billion-dollar business run by a Black man. So, so these businesses do exist, and so I don't want to sit here and say, "Oh, it's never going to happen," blah, blah, blah. Like it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want it to happen in a bigger way, um, so that we can normalize it, so that we can say, "Oh, it's just it's just another day at the office for a black woman to run a billion dollar business, just like Mark Zuckerberg and Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and 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 Jack Dorsey." Like I can go on and on, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so you talked about um, how you share stories at your conference. Are there also any um, like job opportunities there? Are there training sessions? Um, yep. What's available uh, for resources at at the conference?
3: Oh boy! You listen. This conference <laughs> is so chock full of amazing goodness. I cannot even tell you, but actually I will. So, <laughs> um, recruiting roundtables. We've got executives from Netflix, from Roku, wow. from Shipped, from wow. City from Visa, from Morgan Stanley, from Bloomberg, from um, AARP, from the government, from MasterCard. Uh, We have got some amazing partners that have come literally hiring on the spot, like doing interviews in their breakout sessions, Um, come to the conference, WWW, and it's open for everyone. Let me also caveat this by saying, again, all boats rise. Right. So we want to make sure that we're telling the stories of black women in entrepreneurship just through a a different lens. Being an entrepreneur is hard, period. Getting into tech is hard, period. Whether you're a woman, whether you're black or not. So um, so so the recruiting opportunities are definitely there. Uh, We'll also be having investor office hours uh, with Salesforce Ventures, Amex Ventures, uh, uh, full Ventures. And I feel like I'm missing a couple, but we definitely have uh, several VC funds and accelerator programs that will also be on hand to talk to entrepreneurs. Um, we have conversations about Bitcoin uh, and blockchain that that will, will lead uh, with some folks that are really popular on Clubhouse, um, along with conversations with um, productivity hack, legal documents. What should your first set of legal documents be? You know, mm-hmm. if you're starting a business, should you be a C-Corp or an LLC? Are you looking to raise money immediately? Could you start off as an LLC and take more advantage of tax benefits in that structure versus moving on to a C corporation? Um, these are some of those those types of uh, conversations that will happen in the breakouts. We've got Melody Hobson, uh, founder of co-founder of Ariel Capital and chairwoman of Starbucks, uh, as one of our keynote speakers. We've got Peggy Alford, uh, who sits on the board of Square and is also the what an SVP at PayPal um and you know so so much timnit gabrew she is the an ex-googler uh, founder of blacks and ai um, and she will be talking to us about racial bias and coding so you know there there is something for everyone to be sure
0: super cool that's and, really awesome hey ryan i i want you to ask that question but real quick while we're uh, uh talking about all the great features of the show i want to plug um, where you can find out about tickets and pricing um where can people go
3: yes www.blackwomentalktech.com. Click on get tickets, use code RTB25 and get 25% off. So that's code RTB25 and get 25% off. You can follow us on Instagram and get get to the link. We're on Facebook. You can get to the same link, but the direct link is blackwomentalktech.com. Click on get tickets, grab a ticket today.
2: Awesome. Regina, it's really cool all you're doing for black women. Uh, I I really think that what you said, you know, there's a lack of opportunity and being able to network like this at an event, it's really awesome. And really it is your network is your net worth and having all these like-minded individuals together Mm -hmm. with all these big, big companies. I think this is great. And and it's really going to keep being like a a huge deal i think i mean you have netflix now it's only five years in and you have all these huge companies i I love (laughs) to see it honestly very very impressive yeah but Um, i do want to shift a little bit over to the cryptocurrency industry since we are a crypto show um so my first question for you regarding crypto is the cryptocurrency industry as you know it's heavily male and you know that's no surprise because you know it's kind of the intersection between math and finance, which are already too heavily male industries. How do you think we can get more women into blockchain technology and, and into tech startups regarding cryptocurrency?
3: Ryan, that's a great question. Um, I agree with you. You know, it, it has been very male dominated. I think that also in some respects connects back to your 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 comment about uh, your network, right? So, you know, the more times you have the same pattern matching, right? The same group of guys or the same group of, of, of associates building projects and not including, right? You know, thinking about how could this team be more powerful with diverse diversity of thought um, and bringing women into those conversations in those early stages, I think is definitely something that we should be considering. Just being thoughtful about how you're building your startup from the beginning um, is extremely important. And if not as part of the founding team, then as your first employee, right? As your second employee, having you know the, the forward thinking I think is definitely important because you know it's not a it's not a pipeline issue right it's not it's not to say that women aren't strong in math and finance and that they don't exist they definitely exist they're not getting they're not getting those the knock on the door they're not getting the phone calls they're not getting those invitations to participate in the conversations around building these kind of crypto businesses
2: yeah, I totally agree. And another two cents I have on this is, you know, blockchain is so focused on finance right now, and so many males obviously are in finance. But I think there, there's such a wide application of blockchain technology that I think we should see some more diversity within blockchain in the coming years, whether that's, you know, NFTs or social media or mm-hmm. all these different applications. I think that's really a, a good opportunity for women to get in and not only just get into blockchain, but get into something that, you know, they really like and enjoy to do. Not to say women don't like. Like finance, obviously there there are women who are great yeah. at finance and love to do finance. But yeah. you know, as blockchain expands, I think that I think that we'll see diversity expand within the industry as well. Um, I
3: agree. I definitely agree. and just as a note, like I think that being able to offer to have crypto offerings you know when you're trying to to raise money, I've definitely seen a lot more um, black founders and black entrepreneurs be able to leverage um, these crypto offerings as as a way to raise money. so um, I'm seeing there's so many applications to your point um, that allows you know everyone to participate and, and to set everyone up to win.
2: I totally agree. And that's actually a perfect segue into my next question. Um, I did see your interview with Justin Roberti from Benzinga and you were talking about, you know, how it is really hard sometimes for black women in particular to get funding for entrepreneurship and their businesses. Uh, Do you think that cryptocurrency and blockchain, you kind of already answered it. Do you think that will really help? Because I I personally do. You know, anyone can create a token and then it's all about the business, it's all about the entrepreneurship. And like not only that, but it's so exciting because, you know, you don't have to file with the SEC. You don't have to go public. Like it's right. a way to publicly fund something without having to do all that filing. Have to get VCs to come in, you know, raise money. What's your take on that? Yes. Yeah. To
3: <laughs> all, so all of what you said, I mean, it. You know, the minute I don't know if you all are familiar, Dawn Dixon is a uh, a black woman founder of um, a company called Popcom, um, and she raised one of the largest um, you know cri- initial crypto offering rounds ever. You know just by by any entrepreneur and this was and this was a, a black woman I've, I've known her for years um she is amazing she is scrappy as as hell <laughs> um and and the fact that she was able to do it right like she to your point you she there was no red tape there was no um investor vetting there there was no you know regulatory um hoops that you have to jump to to be a, to be an accredited investor to invest in your business um there's no credit checks uh, on your personal credit, like there's there's so many different um, benefits to to you to leveraging this this the system um, to to generate funding. I think it, it, we are only scratching the surface. Um, in terms of it being a very viable offering um, for 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 entrepreneurs of color, because, you know, we think we particularly at Black Women Talk Tech, we focus a lot on alternative financing. Um, if we're not, if you know, Black women get less than one percent of all venture capital that exists. Right. Literally 006 percent. I think it is so. That doesn't translate to a lot of money um and we need to be able to you know developers and engineers don't get paid with hugs and kisses so we have to find other ways to get the money um whether it's through loan loans and financing grants things like this so this is a whole new avenue of, of of financing that we can add to this alternative uh these alternative financing portfolio
2: and another integral part of being an entrepreneur is owning equity in the company you work for, or the company you start, which I think that cryptocurrency is a great way to do that. You know, a lot of these projects are hiring people and giving them a lot of equity in whatever, you know, cryptocurrency that, that the project owns. Um, do you see that a lot in traditional jobs when, when you're at these conferences? Are, are these jobs offering equity or do you think that cryptocurrency might be a better way to go about getting a job that, that offers significant equity with high growth potential?
3: That's a that's an interesting question. I haven't just to to answer the first part, I haven't seen um, a lot of businesses offer equity as part of their as as part of joining their, their teams, depending on um, you know, what kind of job it is. Right. So like if right. they're looking for building out like their founder team or the first or second employee, maybe there's an equity conversation, but that also depends on like what stage they're in. Have, have they, have, are they at like series a series B then yes, that's a conversation. If you're an early, early stage startup, which is really the, the bulk of our community. Um, you know, you really just don't have the, the, the equity to, to, to give at that point. Um, uh because you you need to kind of you know still save that for for other um, for other investment opportunities. But when we think about crypto, I mean, I think that definitely um, is a, is a different option. Uh, and and depending on how the businesses are structured, um, that could definitely be something that's that could be more attractive to to early stage. I'm um, oh, sorry, early employees uh, in terms of how they they join companies. I just haven't seen it yet.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. <clears throat> so um, could you share
1: any success stories you guys have had so far um, with you know the past or present or anything going on right now when it pertains to blockchain technology and black women talking tech or in cryptocurrencies or anything in that kind of space? Because I'm sure I, it looks like you guys have had a lot of success with the blockchain and how much and how more inclusive it is and stuff like that. So yeah. we're kind of interested in seeing your take on what successes you've seen.
3: Absolutely, Brian. Listen, we are so excited about so many success stories that have come out of um, attendees that have come to our conference. So if you remember the first conference that we had at Google in 2017, we had a young lady. um, Her name is Kristen Crystal ATN come to our conference and actually receive her first check uh, from, from an investor that attended that conference as well. And she, that was in February of twenty six seventeen. And by the end of the year, she was making nine figure revenue. Wow. So literally yeah. that little bit of money allowed her to scale in a huge way. And two years later in 2019, she raised one of the largest series A rounds for a black woman founder. And this is um, again, Crystal Etienne, founder of Panty Prop, um, and, and now called Ruby Love. Um, and so, you know, these are the stories that we hear over and over and over again. Um, we have had over 45 startups either get access to funding, get into an investment pipeline or even close their investment rounds as a result of meeting the resources and the investors that they, that they were looking for at our conference. We are very intentional about curating that room. um, so that, you know, success is when preparation meets opportunity.
1: Yeah.
3: So the women are prepared that Mm -hmm. that is not the issue. The issue is getting in front of the right opportunities. And so, um, I think that, you know, I can go on and on about, you know, the winners of our pitch competition, you know, they get into tech stars and all that kind of great stuff. Um, and then I would say, you know, from a crypto perspective, um, you know, having Dawn, I think, is, is probably the, the best example of, of you know, a, a black woman that has truly, truly leveraged um, this this crypto opportunity to, to raise money for her startup um, and has, has used it to, you know, be very, very successful and, and to scale and grow her business.
1: That's awesome. And that's the one one of my favorite parts about crypto or blockchain technology, too, is you don't really have to have a lot of money to be successful. As long as you what you said, you put the drive, you make preparation meet um, mm. to uh, I forgot the other word you use. But, you know, just put it all together and, you know, anything is possible as long as you just put your feet down and, you know, do it and mm. have that drive that you're looks like that your um, your conference kind of empowers everybody to do, which is Awesome cool. One thing I um, do want to know is you said something with the, the interview with uh, with Justin that uh, blockchain technology is a little bit more inclusive. How would you uh, how, how could you explain why it's a little bit more inclusive and why you would want you know more entrepreneurs to you know get into that space specifically?
3: Mm. you know I think that crypto is more inclusive because there are less restrictions. Um, I think that when you have when you have to put a, a name and a face in order to access something. Right. You know, we talk about, you know, the venture capital industry. We, we talk about that space and, and we know that there's, you know, white guys from, from Stanford and Harvard, <laughs> you know, those are the guys. Right. Um, and and, you know, that's that's what they do. But there is no face to crypto. Right. Like there is there isn't a, there isn't a particular kind of way that you have to go. And and make money in crypto. There's, you know, literally, you all were just talking about new offerings. Like something's coming out all the time, every time. Stocks are going up and down. It's very speculative. And so when you have a speculative business, then the, the thing that's the most valuable is your hustle. It is, and, and that is colorblind. It's gender, it's gender, it's gender agnostic. Um, and that is the thing that will that will propel you, and that's what makes it much more inclusive.
2: Yeah. Uh, Regina, are you familiar with the metaverse at all? Because this kind of reminds me of the metaverse in a way.
3: You know, I... It, I'm, I'm like vaguely familiar okay. with it, but tell me what so,
2: it is. So it's basically this idea that you know we're getting more and more online, like as time goes on, mm-hmm. and you know maybe eventually down the road, like our lives will basically be consumed online, and it already is mm-hmm. to a huge degree. Okay. And and so these NFT collectors, I don't know if you're in like when we were talking about the crypto punks that are selling for insane amounts of money. No. Um, <laughs> So those are NFTs and and they're used as profile pictures. So now if I go on my Twitter, since I follow so many people in in the cryptocurrency space, Mm -hmm. no one has a real picture anymore. Everyone has like a board ape, like all these different like different cartoons or different characters. And it really makes it like inclusive to a degree, but almost like, you know, race doesn't matter anymore. Like it's in in the metaverse, you really get to decide like what you want to be seen as almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. I love that. I mean, listen, I, First of all, I'm super interested in NFTs from in a, in in the art world. You know, you are mm-hmm. seeing just ridiculous valuations of, of NFTs, and I think that is going to be very powerful for um, for artists of color. You know, I think Basquiat had an NFT come out or something, and like when when this takes over, it's it's going to be like sick. And and I'm I'm very interested in what Art Basel will look like in Miami right. this in December. But nevertheless, you know, this idea of you know, really living in, in the internet, right? Like, you know, it, we already are surrounded by it, but mm. to, to actually be surrounded by the ideals of it is different, right? Like we, we go into it, but we know it's there. And then there's like the quote unquote real world. And you go to the corner store and you go to the gas station and you go to these places that, you know, that, where the internet doesn't exist. So, um, I think it will be interesting to see how even those places that that we we do still experience offline, um, how they will eventually be combined and blended into this this overall. Just we're in a constant stream, already, and and you know, for good or for bad, I don't know.
0: Regina, you said something earlier that really stuck with me. You said uh, it's something about when opportunity uh, meets preparedness. Could you say that again?
3: Oh, success is when preparation meets yeah. opportunity. Like,
1: That's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. That's so I mean, awesome.
3: it's, it's all, I've seen it time and time again. And, and and another way to say it, you know, my mom used to say, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? <laughs> you so, go. you know, you, you always have to stay. You don't, we don't get a second chance oftentimes. Yep. So it's important for us to to be ready and to be on. And And these conferences allow for, thousands of, of Black women entrepreneurs to gather and, and to connect. They find their their CTO. They find their, their co-founder at these conferences. Um, they find their first employee at these conferences. People come to not only help, in the, help start their business, but to, to work for a startup and to work within technology. So that's why we offer you know both sides of the coin um, in order for all. Again, I, I say the same thing over and over again. All boats to rise um, to to allow for us to get on the roadmap to billions. That's the name of our conference.
0: Right I love there, it, Regina. You. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm I'm all about it. You guys are great. Um, if you want to give a shout out, mention anything else, um, tell people where to connect with you. The floor is
3: yours. Awesome, Logan. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Brian, Ryan, really, really appreciate the time. Um, Please visit us at blackwomentalktech.com. Visit us on Instagram. It's the same handle. Um, Check us out next week. It is Thursday and Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Drop in, say hello. Uh, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. (laughs) And uh, definitely looking forward to staying in touch and and keeping the conversations going.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Certainly. Thank you thank you so much yeah, thank you oh. this was fun. yeah that was it was good bye, bye. all righty
0: that was awesome guys let us know what you think in the chat below i really enjoyed that i think that's that's an awesome project
2: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: we need more stuff like that going on you know it's it's honestly to to the investors benefit like like regina said at the beginning it, it's a it's a for some reason an underdeveloped and ripe industry um, so make sure you go check it out connect with them and support the cause support the mission it's what we're all about here in the crypto space um, okay so let's get back to crypto crypto prices the market Ryan, would you like to give us a market update please
2: you say me or Ryan? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. I think Ryan had it ready. Whoever uh, it was, it, Brian it. It was Brian with a B. Oh, so shoot. confusing. Oh, get us on the <laughs> markets, Brian. I, want, um, I the
1: markets are doing pretty well. Look, I mean, yeah. there's it's just pretty easy to see. The um, I think the Square uh, buying um, Affirm, I think that pushed uh, Bitcoin up and then let everything else rise. I mean, we had Bitcoin over forty k for. You know, two days straight, and now it's still right, right at that thirty nine, right in the middle of thirty nine. It's at thirty nine six five two. So, you know, we'll we'll see another push up. Um, There was talks about um, a firm being bought too, which is kind of speculative. There's no really actually proof that that's going on, but that's also pushing it. Um, All altcoins are now falling. ETH is booming and ETH at one point um, broke off from BTC, their, the influence. So mm-hmm. we saw that like kind of altcoin season um, kind of happening. Bitcoin is going down, Ethereum was going up and still kind of, you know, if you put them side by side together, they're still kind of that way. They're, they follow, but you see a lot more breakage with uh, ETH up, which is awesome. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about all altcoins. My portfolio looks great. Yours, I bet your guys probably looks great. Everything, it's just, it puts everybody in a good mood. Whenever you see that you, you see that green, you know, however many numbers besides your, in your P&L, as opposed to that red, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to trade this and just try to work for it. But you can just let mm-hmm. it sit and you let it go. No stress. You're not glued. Man, it's it's a good week. It's a, We had vacation. Everything's happening. I mean
2: great time it's a good week but i'm tempted to sell honestly hey i you um, know you know i'm a little scared at this point i kind of want to sell i've been talking about this range between 30k to 42k for a while and uh, we came up to this 42k mark and now we're back down it's gonna be hard you know I, if i do sell i'm gonna buy back in if we go above 42k and hold but we haven't seen that yet but it's tempting at these prices. And I, I feel like a lot of investors are kind of thinking the same thing and, and the whole market it. support bin. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, hey, so how yeah. much of your
0: position are you thinking about selling Mr. Ryan?
2: Well, right now I'm about 20% cash. So, I mean, I was like 15% NFT until I sold that this morning. <laughs> so now I'm 20% cash. <laughs> nice. Uh but yeah, I would probably sell sell my uni bag honestly. Try and buy back, mm-hmm. you know, keep keep a little bit of it, but but sell most of it and try and buy back a little bit lower and increase that. Position. Did you did you buy it when it was in like the high thirties, forties? Nah, I bought it at three dollars. Oh, so you're
1: you're just, you're ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready
2: to go, man. Yeah.
1: But I'm ready to get back in too, so well, that's I'll, I mean I'll that's not that a bad idea because I'm I'm holding I have a um, on KuCoin I've done one of these smart rebalancing bots and I've been running it for about two weeks now and <clears throat> you know it's up like three thousand percent on the APY not really up through but all right right um, but I mean it's 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 all uh, all Dex coins so I have uh, a Dex and DeFi so I have Link Uni EOS. Um, and uh, BAT, which I threw that one in there, but all of them are doing great and they'll rebalance. And that's where I've put, like, that is 60% of my portfolio now is in that rebalancing. So I don't even have to deal with it, you know, moving up or down. It'll do it for me. Um, it's doing pretty well. And I'd suggest anyone to look at, you know, smart rebalancing as a way to um, hedge against, you know, those huge uh, volatility dumps. Did you make that bot um, yourself or did <clears> you find it online? or are you So on KuCoin, or- you can go, they have pre-made ones. I put in the um, I put in all the requirements myself so it's at like I can just I'll just tell you real quick the um, it's at like 20% 20 percent 15 15 11 and the so I got uh, uni link bat GRT eOS and Ave and uni and link are 21 percent. That 16 grt is 16 eos is 15 Ave is 11 percent, and it's doing you know doing fairly well i don't really want to show how much money and all that stuff is in it but um that's ah, not worth it but yeah so re- it
0: rebalances to keep your allocation <clears throat> across the different assets
1: yes yeah, so every time there's a one percent uh <clears> then <throat> you can change this to one percent two percent whatever you want but anytime there's a one percent move movement up or down it'll rebalances it rebalances to all the others or to one that's uh That's down. And so it's going to keep that 20% or whatever percentage allocation you have in each one of your coins and always gonna it's just gonna fluctuate between that one percent. So it'll be a little off, but eventually it'll it'll just keep doing it. It does it automatically. So the only thing that happens is you keep gaining more tokens. You you'll get a profit, of course, but you're just gonna keep buying more and more tokens with the same money because it's rebalancing between them all. So you won't see the same amount of uh you know, Union Link that you have in there, but it's either going to go up or down depending on, you know, where it's going. But over time, it'll only get more and more tokens in your wallet. So it's Hmm. pretty neat. And is there a fee for this? No, it's just the regular KuCoin fee, but there's no trading for your rebalance. Yeah, you know, if you ever yeah just the regular um fee that they have and if you take it out it's like um 0.08 percent it's not really much they KuCoin has very low fees so it's not going to be it's going to be negligible it's pretty cool awesome
0: uh okay so let's talk about some crypto projects drop your uh drop your tickers in the chat and we'll pull them up and we'll give them a review um i think we might have seen something earlier ryan were you about to say something
2: no, I wasn't. I did see ADA earlier. I know we've done that before. But yeah, it's guys, been a while. guys, drop your tickers in the chat. Let's do some Moon or Bust. We haven't done Moon or Bust in a minute.
0: Price mm-hmm. target on eight. 8. is my favorite stable <clears> coin. <throat> um, a, a, and, you know, as a stable coin, my price target's not going to change. It's going to be $1 forever.
2: Ada a, a, stands for a dollar forever. Don't you guys know that? <laughs> I mean, the ridiculous $1. price the, the ridiculous price targets on ADA of like $500 or $1,000, guys, don't fall for that. That's just not very realistic. But I mean, by the end of this bull run, I mean, you could see some pretty good returns. If the bull run continues, if we see Bitcoin go into the six-figure range, if we see ETH approach $10,000, then, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe $20 ADA.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking $3 to $5 would be a pretty good, you know, conservative amount over the next at least until, you know, the next year.
0: Yeah. But you have to remember there's higher risk in, in ADA because it's like a market cycle behind ETH. So there's, there's increased volatility, like three to five is obviously going to be great, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to stop there. Honestly, the, the ADA community is really strong. They're really convicted. Um, I could, I think a $10 ADA is definitely on the table. Um, and, and you know, even like Ryan said, it could get up to, to 20 bucks. I mean, if they
1: push the- out the smart contracts and like do everything that they've been working on, which I know they've been working on forever but they're going to make sure it's good you know, you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter. I hold ADA too. I, I've held it for a long time now and yeah, yeah it's never gonna, I mean, it's all, it's going to go up. And as long as they keep pushing out, it has a freaking amazing team behind it. Like some of the smartest people in crypto are behind it. So yeah, it's, it's a big one. <clears throat> all right. Noah Posner wants to know about mana. Ryan,
0: you want to tell us about Decentraland?
2: Yeah, it's one of the first virtual reality games that's based on the blockchain. It's built on Ethereum. It's pretty cool. You can go on, buy and sell land as a speculative investment, or if you want, you can develop the land and charge people to use it uh, in many different ways. Some people have built museums with NFTs. Other people have made casinos. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do with Mana. I'm bullish on it. I think it's going to do well with the NFT market. Uh, and if we're playing Moon or Bus, you know, I'd give it a moon. <laughs> For sure.
1: I'd agree. The NFT market's booming on all, like Axie, Mana, um, all of these. And it's as long as that stays up, you know it's going to go good. But like Ryan said, it's got a pretty cool project. It's one of the first ones to be widely used. So, yeah, I mean, Mana's Mana's here to stay, and it's going to do really well.
0: <clears throat> I am with these two. I picked up a bag of Mana um, a couple of months ago. We're at 25 cents. It's just been chilling with it, rocking with it. I put it into Uniswap, so I'm earning some extra Mana on top of it. Uh, and I have uh, full faith in this project to moon. Yo, yo, air horn, boop 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 boop. <laughs> All right. Uh... Let's talk <clears throat> about VeChain. So V Chain uh, is a bit more of a centralized blockchain than than Ethereum or Bitcoin or we're typically used to working with, uh, but that is because they are business facing. So they are a supply chain blockchain that that works with some pretty big brands um, that that have huge supply chains. Um, I, I can't remember, there's a huge um, automotive maker that they're working with. It might be BMW, um, some European car manufacturer that uses them. They have a, a deal with like Asics or some other shoemaker as well. Um, I haven't, haven't researched it in quite a minute, so don't quote me uh, on these specifics. But I do know they have these, these huge partnerships already locked in, and that is why people are so bullish on it. Um, as, as a business facing blockchain, I think there's definitely a lot of room for that as an industry and specifically within supply chain, and they're dominating that currently. I expect them to stick around. They have whose first mover advantage, V-Chain, is a moon, in my opinion.
1: Yep. It's also the older ones, too. I mean, <clears throat> they have that whole – sorry. They have that whole um, – <clears throat> uh, they start off as a distribution ledger. And so they kind of blew up from there and they are very widely used in other countries as well. um, I mean, wherever they're, where they are based, but yeah, it's also one of the older ones. I mean, and we're saying older, uh, that's relative um, because crypto years it's yeah. So it might as well be 20 years old, but I mean, it's, it's definitely one that's going to be around for a while. And you know, they're just, they're a slow burn. But they're they're pretty uh, stable, and it's been around this price. I think the highest it's gotten to is like 16 or $0.18 cents and at the last bull run, and now it's back down to kind of, you know, the average. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential with it, and like you said, there's some crazy partnerships. Um, and, yeah, I, I you know, I'm moon it. Moon it.
2: Ryan, you, you in agreement here? yeah i agree I, i'd give it a moon i don't know as much as you two do about v chain but i think your points about it being the first mover and having the really big deals with some of these companies are very important and i do agree with you logan i think there is a lot of room for growth within the business facing side of blockchain stuff mm-hmm. awesome
0: uh okay that's v chain ryan do you happen to have coin market cap handy for us because uh, we have farm token, we can talk about, uh, and that's really all I'm seeing.
1: Unless you want to talk about USD, I can I can pull it up if you if you don't.
2: I got it. I got the internet here at the office internet. for high tech. Uh, we're full screen now. What the heck happened? <sighs> okay, farm harvest finance. Let's talk um, about it. Let's yield farm. Let's, let's talk through my it. screen. Share screen. Can you see it? Yeah, let me add it.
1: Boom. There we go.
2: So I know Harvest Finance was around back in the day during DeFi summer, kind of towards the end of DeFi summer, like September ish. I remember there were lots of yield farming chads that were using Harvest Finance, you know, making all that crypto gains, turning their one ETH into two and then to four and then to eight. Um, unfortunately, I've actually never used it, but I think it's pretty similar to Urine Finance. It's kind of like an aggregator. It helps you find the best rates on where to yield farm. Do you guys know anything about this project?
1: It's on it's on the, the base. It's on Coinbase.
2: Okay. That's Easy. a good sign. It's on Ethereum, of course, right? Yeah.
1: It's on Coinbase?
0: What? Yeah. Actually, that's crazy. Ryan, can you pull up that chart for us real quick? This one? How are we looking?
2: Well, year to date... This was the peak kind of by the crypto boom, a little bit early. I mean, we saw a huge pump recently here. When was this?
1: I, I think that's when it went on Coinbase. Okay. Yeah, that checks out. We got yeah, it was just recent around. in the last couple of days, like over last
2: week, I think it came on. Mm. So yeah, like if DeFi summer picks back up again, especially with all these layer two solutions coming out and with 1559 coming out tomorrow, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if more people start using these DeFi programs like Harvest Finance, like your finance, like some of these other programs out there. Uh, I would give it a moon, especially because it was around back, you know, last year. That's a long time in crypto years, uh, especially for DeFi. DeFi is, you know, a relatively new phenomenon in the cryptocurrency industry. So uh, yeah, I give it a moon. I like it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of falling suit with all the others. Whoa, whoa, Matrix. Whoa. I mean, yeah, I like it. Anything on Coinbase, I think, has a good possibility of going forward. Coinbase did uh, announce a couple uh, months ago uh, that they want to be able to have every single cryptocurrency, even new or anything, to be tradable on Coinbase in the future, which is kind of a, a like a. Almost too much, like too good to be true, kind of thing, because it's kind of hard to, you know, aggregate de- like aggregate DEX tokens onto a CX um, platform because, you know, y- you add your token in onto a DEX, like Uniswap you know, and Pancake Swap by coding it into the token contract and mm-hmm. then you allocate it later and everything. So it kind of changed the game a little bit, but it'd be very interesting to see how that how that plays out because i mean the next couple of years i'm sure that it'll it'll happen i mean like you said years are you know one year equals 10 years in crypto world but it's gonna be really interesting to see how they will handle that
0: mm-hmm. definitely i don't know a whole lot about farm um, but since you guys are bullish i'll uh, play along i'll give it a moon i think it could go up <laughs> if it's on coinbase um, but take that with a grain of salt yeah uh, all right. Unfortunately, we are actually out of time for today. Yo, um, yo, yo. We, we got a
2: shout out, Logan.
0: We got a shout out, Way. Yeah.
2: You know, NFT mania on Moon or bust, but stick around because we're talking about Vogu, <laughs> Vogu Collection NFTs on the next episode here at Benzinga. Be So make sure to stay on.
0: That's super hype. Yeah, we are starting a brand new NFT show. Uh, It's coming up right now. So don't go anywhere. Uh, Once again, this is Rune your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Uh, We are signing off for today, but don't go anywhere. You'll get redirected to the NFT show. I love it. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.